As with dragons, if you could have the choice between a swim speed or a burrow speed, which one would you have? Pepperina, you're going first. Um, um, probably swim. You have a swim speed, okay? Yeah. Dan, uh, swim because I suck at it, so doing it naturally would be nice. Yeah, I suppose swim. I am, yeah. I am afraid of depths. I don't like being in tight caves and stuff, and so it would remove mm-hmm. that if I had a burrow speed. But I think swim speed I'm going to use more often. It's a mimic. The Roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our discussion about dragons in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. I'm Dan, and with me today are Terry and Peps, and this episode is called Moonstone Dragons. The theme, it would seem, is to dream of a scheme. Okay. We've previously covered all <laughs> the chromatic and metallic, and just the, the, the gentle little, okay. Okay. Uh, we previously covered all of the chromatic and metallic dragons that you can find in 5th edition Monster Manual, as well as Fizban's Treasury of Dragons, as well as all sorts of dragon-related creatures and templates. We've done episodes on lore, role-playing, and some of the new updates from Fizban's. And you can find all of these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you could jump on over to the YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on dragons that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, however, is going to get a bit weird with the Moonstone Dragon of the Feywild. We're going to return again to the pages of Fizban's Treasury of Dragons to see what the Moonstone Dragon offers and how it invades our dreams. But before we get started, guys, I want to ask, do you guys like Moonstone Dragons and their place in the dragon landscape of Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, they're all right. I know I'm supposed to like them, but I typically don't like anything Fae related. So they're super I, fae. Yeah. I yeah. I love them. Um, I love their whimsy. I love their quirkiness. And I love all things. I love the Fae stuff. <laughs> in one of my games, I'm like in a Fae forest right now, and I built a druid school there. So that's. That's how I play D and D. People are going to think I'm like the worst person ever because I'm always like I hate everything. I hate I that hate so them. much. But it's like, I can imagine it's these mm-hmm. people right in the world. Okay. Oh, now all of my attention has to go on your outfit yeah. and why you're a weirdo today and all of this. And I'm late for work, so move. This is Moonstone Dragons for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> but- go and be weird over there, not in front of me. But are they hot? Then he likes them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Depends. Depends. Are they hot and will they hurt me? Okay, hey, I'm this, in. This is this is what I always say. Okay, being hot gets you half a conversation. If within that two minutes there's nothing more to you, I'm moving on. So Moonstone Dragons be more than hot. That's the lesson. Everybody else only gets two minutes of a conversation, and then Terry's moving on. And then they moving. don't get the other half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it earns you the right to get my attempt where I go. Yeah. <laughs> what? Here, okay. Let's put this to bed. First of all, if you want your song, if you want the music that you listen to to sound good, your bed to feel comfortable, and your food to taste good, don't judge people when they want to present themselves well oh, to the you're world. Right. If you don't want to put the effort in, I'm going to assume that you don't want my attention. That's it. Aside from that, let's go talk about moon dragons. Moon uh, moonstone dragons are your fey wild dragons. These creatures fled when the gods started populating the first world. What is the first world, you may ask? Well, the first world is a place on the prime material plane where the gods first started to test and develop their creative powers. They had a goal and were working towards it. 
The gods Bahamut and Tiamat combined their efforts before they were even foes to create the first dragon, which was the master ruby dragon called Sardior. Sardior was an extremely powerful god in his own right, and together with Bahamut and Tiamat created all of the other dragons we know and love today. Gems, metallics, chromatics, everything. This was during the time when the other gods of the Pantheon were experimenting as well, and before long, humanoids started to flood the glorious plains of the realm. Well, one dragon got annoyed by the humans, as we all do, grabbed a clutch of eggs, and fled to the Feywild, where the savage energies of that, of that place shifted and changed those untyped dragons. I assume they're like emerald or green dragons based off the coloring of a moonstone. But the energies of the Feywild transformed those dragons into moonstone dragons. Shortly after this, the uh, first world was sundered and destroyed, and I don't really have the time to go into that right now, but Sardiar, who is like the, the penultimate uh, or the ultimate uh, gem dragon, was sundered as well, and his little shards have gone out, and we cover this with gems, gemstone dragons. Now, there is a draconic poem that is called The Elegy for the First World that I think plays into Moonstone a little bit. Um, and I want to read you guys an excerpt from it. it. says, Breathe, dragon, sing of the first world, scattered into infinite seeding realities. Sing of Bahamut and Tiamat, watching its sundering, mourning their labor. Sing, too, of Sardior, sundered, consciousness scattered in minuscule fragments. Breathe, dragons, you are inheritors, ruling the wreck of the first world's destruction. Moonstone dragons play into this because they are the master of the planes in draconic times. But what does a moonstone dragon look like? Let's go from that direction first. They are elegant, regal-looking dragons with opalescent scales and tufts of emerald green fur that, off, uh, that covers most of their chests, bellies, backs, and tail, but not the top of their head. So respect. Um, they can, however, grow a pretty substantial beer, uh, beard out of the fur as well. This is Dan. This is just describing you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. And their favorite color is green. It's starting to sound like you were making it up a little bit towards the end. <laughs> well, it, it does. It was the beard that, that got you. Yeah. That's what I went. Hang on. This is it. <laughs> now, since the horns are an, uh, important to the identity of all dragons, a moonstone's horns are weird. They spout out the tip at like a singular horn out of the tip of its nose and one out of the back of its head that curves kind of upwards, um, giving their whole profile of their head a odd crescent moon shape. So it's all very wild fey bullshit, which I love. Anyways, uh, moonstone dragons embody the fey wild. When young, they are mischievous and playful, but grow into wizened keepers of lore and lesson to all of the Feywild communities and the communities of the uh, Greater Plains. They tend towards gentleness, but are defined by their curiosity and are neutral by alignment. Many Moonstones treasure stories from other realms and will seek out visitors to the Feywild to hear of the turnings of other worlds of the multiverse. To see these realms for themselves, a powerful moonstone will, will be the most fey creature to ever fey and peek into the realms through dreams. Less powerful ones will merely peer into the dreams of creatures that rest near their lairs and inspire them to great works of art, science, and heroics. They love all that is silver as well, and their hordes contain mountains of silver, platinum, and mithril, which are these pale, glittering metals. Um, but they also hoard in another fun fey way, they want, and I'm going to quote from the book here, a heart 
uh, uh, sorry, a song sung from the heart or a lock of a loved one's hair or a painting of a favorite place. They care more about you caring and emoting for a thing than the thing itself, which I love and is such a unique thing for dragons. Now, say you wanted to roll a Moonstone Dragon for your campaign. Well, simply flip on over to page 130 of Fizzbands, and there's a litany of charts there. Firstly, there's a D8 table for personality and a D6 table for ideals. Um, I'm going to roll twice to show you guys some of the options now. So for personality tables, I've got, uh, I find the waking world tedious and mundane and would rather spend my time asleep in the realm of dreams. And um, I've always been mature for my age and can't wait for the day I can retire to my lair to be taken care of by doting Faye. So this kind of gives you a good idea for their yeah. uh, attitudes. For their uh, personalities, I got a three and a two, which are going to give us non-violence, uh, which is violence need never be the answer in a multiverse of infinite possibilities. And whimsy. Why waste time on boring, ordinary concerns when the world is filled with fantastic and ludicrous wonders? Love the feeling of, of Faye that these guys get in this, this sense of chaotic uh, wonderment with them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, next are some of the adventure hooks involving a moonstone uh, for if you want a moonstone but don't know how to put it into your world. There's another fancy little D8 table that to give you guys um, some inspiration there. I'm going to roll a couple more times on that one to show you guys what I want. Um, there's a powerful spellcaster is forcing a captive moonstone dragon to invade the realms, uh, to invade the dreams of adventurers, sending parties on quests on quests to assist the spellcasters' nefarious schemes. This really reinforces the fact that a moonstone is not good. It's not evil. It is neutral. So being forced by a spellcaster to do this is plausible right? Mm -hmm. um, also a moonstone dragon that accidentally stumbled through a portal to the material plane and can't find its way back home to the Feywild. I mean, that yeah. tracks for a moonstone <laughs> as well. Uh, they're very forgetful creatures. Now we're going to skip over the connected creatures for now to talk about a moonstone's lair, or in this case, layers, plural. A moonstone dragon keeps several smaller collections throughout the plains connected through portals that the moonstone controls. They cover the gamut from a mountaintop refuge to an elegant estate overlooking a pristine lake to a wild tangled roots of a mangrove swamp. That in the Feywild, uh, that said, the Feywild is their primary home and is where they primarily will entertain and convert their fancy. For a mechanical look at the Moonstone's lair, on an initiative count of 20, a Moonstone can cause their lair to do one of three things. Firstly, they could banish dream or banish into dream, which forces a character that the dragon can see within 120 feet of it to make a DC 15 charisma save or be banished into a harmless demiplane until initiative 20 on the next round. It could also make a uh, creature dance against its will to a merry jaunty tune for an initiative for an int save of 15 until initiative 20 of the next turn. The creature is counted as incapacitated while it dances and uses all of its movement to dance in place. Finally, its third action, the dragon causes each creature within the layer to make a DC 20 wisdom save or have disadvantage on ability checks until, you guessed it, initiative 20 of the next round. As for regional effects, whatever the moonstone dragon uh, decides to reside will have the residual effects like any other dragon. And if that dragon is legendary, either, so an adult or older, these effects will take hold. If you sleep, 
trance, or even get lost in reverie, so you just get really shittered, within a six-mile uh, radius of the Moonstone's lair, the dragon can telepathically talk to you in your dreams. And, noted, you will remember them when you are awake. Also, the veil between the planes thins when a moonstone, uh, with a Moonstone's presence, and the portals connected to the Feywild and Ethereal Plane and Material Plane will pop up within six miles of the dragon. Now, if the dragon dies, these portals do close. Finally, when we're talking about a Moonstone's horde, there are some art objects that a Moonstone will have within its horde, and they offer you a fancy little D8 chart, which I will roll on to let you guys know. Firstly, you could have a statue of a beautiful fae who appears to be laughing, crying, or scowling, depending on the viewer's mood. The dragon requires all who visit to describe that face and sends away anyone who sees an angry visage. I like that one. That's, that is that is a really it's, cool way. It's like, like a mood ring. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, 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 you see an angry face. Okay, I've got to go. Mm-hmm. So how about you leave? We'll come back. We'll reconvene later. We'll have this chat again when you're not seeing an angry face. Um, next is an ornate silver chest that holds a mountain of gold coins. The dragon refuses to open the chest, claiming it could still smell the stink of the noxious metal. So really reinforces the fact that these guys really couldn't give two shits about anything outside of a silvery metal, which tracks for the yeah. paywall. Okay. So guys, uh, let's roll some initiative and ask some questions about Moonstones before yeah. we move on. That's cool. I'm going to put a positive spin on all of this, Dan. Here's your first part. I just got a nat 20. Very I got good. A seven. I, I got a 19. So, uh, Terry, what is your favorite piece of inspiration about a Moonstone Dragon? Okay, let me put a positive spin on this because I appreciate it for the past two episodes it's just been me listing things that I hate. Um, but I'm going <laughs> to practice this point with saying why I dislike it, which is why it's good. Okay, Moonstone Dragons, I hope I never meet one. I'll hate them. Um, when people are kind of, they're like this, like the Moon stone dragon's whole thing with the dreams and stuff is doing what i always say is my tactic which is essentially putting you in positions of bullshit and then you have to react to it now you're in a dream you've been banished now you're dancing whatever it is right very very frustrating to deal with um and a quick side story on this this is the type of thing i i hate on my way to work in vancouver to my office there's a construction site and there's a person that like dances you know with the stop sign and stuff the stop slow daniel know all about this and but they but they dance and it's supposed to be like a happy thing but it's very confusing as to what is expected of me and i fucking hate it i hate it when other people's bullshit becomes my bullshit hey dance at six (laughs) o'clock won't dance right now i've got places to be okay but what happens is the moonstone dragon does this type of thing but it would be very frustrating to deal with as a player so tactically as a dm it's very good because it, it would annoy me. It would annoy me. And I would maybe make a mistake because I would become emotionally compromised and trying to deal with this Moonstone Dragon that banished me. And now I'm dancing in place and now I'm in a dream and all this kind of stuff. So uh, that's what inspires me. It's just to find new ways to piss people off tactically. Cool. Um, for me, I love, as, as a DM, the uh, using of dreams has always been something I've loved to do. Um, I do it with the Kalishtar and various... Like warlock patrons will communicate through their players through dreams or their god or cleric's god will do the same. Um, I like for once we could get a creature that I could put on a uh, on a map uh, that uh, uses dreams to kind of fuck with the party that isn't a psionic. And I love the fact that it's not psionically based. 
it is in the dreams and it, it's going to be manipulating your uh, party or communicating to them, but it's not there to like dominate their will with its mind. It is, it is there to impart messages or, or, or to uh, communicate. It's not reading your mind at any point in time. It is injecting itself into your thoughts. So I really love the fact that we could have an entryway, not just for moonstone dragons, which are great in and of themselves, but for other creatures that you can homebrew that could do the same thing. If you have a dream heavy campaign that is using a lot of it, you could use a lot of this kind of flavor for them. And it brings us the dreamscape view of the Fae, which is often overlooked as just nature unfettered. There's also a heavy dreamscape part of the Fae that gets overlooked because it's it crosses the realm into the occult and, and tends to not get a spotlight because of that. So um, mm-hmm. I love I love Moonstone Dragons. Um, yeah. Perhaps? Um, I actually, in one of my campaigns, there is a big emphasis on the dreamscape. Um, and there are players that can sort of manipulate it. And as I was reading this, I was like, I need to send this to my DM so that he, cause he homebrews everything. But I was yeah. like, we need, we need Moonstone Dragons and Evermore. It's got DMs um, campaign on Instagram. If anybody follows him. <laughs> um, but I, I loved the dancing effect. And it reminded me, do you guys know of the story of the like whole city who, or it was like a town village. So it was, you know, hundreds of years ago um, that they couldn't stop dancing and they all died because of it. I you think got, I've heard of this now. Yeah, like that is what happened here. You know, that's to me, that's, that explains it. It was a moonstone dragon and he made them all dance <laughs> until yeah. they died. Uh, I love it, love it. So let's, let's go from inspirations to the mechanics and uh, let's start off with uh wormlings so um terry want to take sure. it away well dan i'll go through the stat block here and tell everybody what they need to know once i'm done feel free to throw some questions at me and uh you give me the wink and then i'll move on to the next part here but okay <laughs> as though me telling you how to do your job as though you've never done this before yeah thanks. it's all right i haven't been doing this for four years <laughs> <laughs> okay, Moonstone Dragon Wormling. Okay, we're looking at a medium dragon here in this age category. Typically, they are neutral. I know that's challenging to work with sometimes. Uh, armor class is 17 with their natural armor, and we're seeing average hit points here of 39. There are two speeds. They have a regular speed, so a walking speed of 30 feet and a fly speed of 60 feet. When it comes to their stats, the highest two, uh, well above average, are Charisma and Strength. And then we're seeing Dex, Con, and Wisdom all at 14. Intelligence, uh, oh, sorry, Intelligence is one of the higher ones at 16 as well. Saving throws, Intelligence, Wisdom, Charisma for their skills, Perception, Persuasion, Stealth. For some conditions, Immunities, they're, they're immune to being charmed, Dan. Shock horror on that one. Uh, they get blindsight at 10 feet when they're a wormling, dark vision of 60 feet, and they have a passive perception of 14. Languages is draconic by the book, and their challenge rating is that of two. For their actions, then, we're going to see just, just uh, bite at the moment as a wormling, no claw attack yet. Their breath weapon will recharge in a five or six, and they have two options for that. The first is that of their dream breath. It starts as a 90-foot cone as a wormling. Each creature in the area uh, is subject to a DC 12 constitution saving throw, or they will fall unconscious for 10 minutes. The effect, end, the effect ends for a creature if the creature takes damage or someone uses an action to wake them. 
Moonlight breath. So the dragon exhales a beam of moonlight in a 30-foot line, and that line is five feet wide. Each creature then makes a DC 12 dexterity saving throw. Failing means that they take 4d6 radiant damage, or they take half as much on a successful one. And that is that is the Wormling in its entirety at the moment. Dan, I'll stop for questions if you want to do them now. Yeah, uh, uh, thanks, Terry. I appreciate it. Um, the... I'm handing over to you in a professional way. Dan, over to you. <laughs> Let's let's roll for initiative, and we'll ask questions about the wormling dragons here. I got a natural one. I got a natural two. I got a sixteen. All right. So, Peps, specifically combat focused. How would you offer some inspirations for a uh, moonstone wormling? So, in um, the lore, it said that when they're younger, they're sort of um, I don't know. They're sort of like a nuisance. They're like tricksters and. Yep. And whimsy and stuff. So I wouldn't necessarily like with any of them, I wouldn't go fight to the death. They're not very fight to the death kind of no. dragons, but I could just see them like playing tricks on your adventures and them having to sort of like, shoot, shoot, get out of here. Like try and get rid of them. And it might come to blows at some point, but eventually yeah. they'll just fly away and be like, yeah, Terry. Yeah, I'm going to make the environment the puzzle, I think, and lean into this dream breath weapon. I, you know, imagine scaling, scaling a wall to get to whatever you need to get to. And then all of a sudden you fall unconscious and, you've, and you're falling down or, you know, you're trying to get up some kind of shaft or something. Um, so I would lean into areas where falling unconscious is going to be a real issue for you should it happen, because it's going to keep a lot of tension uh, when you're trying to pass your skill checks. Yeah. Um, I, uh, one of the things that I think is being slept on a little bit and the pun is intentional, um, with the wormling is the bite. It does 2d8 plus a d6 plus three damage. Oh, right. That's right. For a CR2, that's fucking huge. Add on to the fact that it's going to knock you unconscious with the breath weapon, which will then make you prone and incapacitated. So every attack against you is an instant crit which lets you re-roll or, or uh, double your damage dice. So it knocks you out, walks over, and chomps you as a CR2 for 4d8 plus 2d6 plus 3 damage. Like, holy shit, that'll kill a character in one hit at, at level 2? Like, what the fuck? Like, you piss one of these things off, it is under CR. It is severely under CR. So yeah. um, I... I also like the fact that it's radiant damage um, and that's dealing with the whole moon aspect of it. Um, we have a necrotic dragon, I believe, with the shadow dragon it, it, and the deep dragon, I think, might do necrotic as well off the top of my head. I'm not sure. But like there's clearly opposites to this. But the fact that we're getting other types of damage other than elemental with these guys really speaks to the fact that they left the other dragons eons ago and have just developed to be their own special thing. And I like it. Um, let's talk about some exploration encounters with these guys. Um, Peps, what do you got in terms of an exploration encounter with a moonstone dragon? With a wormling. Um with a wormling, yes. With a wormling. So a wormling you'll probably encounter more in the Fae. They haven't quite yeah. gotten to their like portal abilities and stuff. So if your party happens to be lost in the Fae, like I feel like these would be a good way to, because they're neutral. So if you can, I don't know, bribe them with a silver coin, like they'll help you out, you know, and help you sort of get around the Feywild. 
a little bit. Yep. So I would use them sort of like that. Like you're going to have to bribe them with something. They're probably going to annoy you because they're whimsy and shit, but they could help you out. Yeah. They have that level of uh, um, chaotic copper dragon level of bullshit mm-hmm. without, without the um, prank, which I like. Mm-hmm. Terry? Yeah, for me, anything that's uh, related to Fae, uh, you know, one big thing about Fae creatures is you never really know where you stand. You know, that's always something I always want to know. In in my life, right, I always want to know where I stand with stuff. I don't like it when things are not clear. And I would put this into the exploration pillar, into the the puzzles or, or whatever kind of skill check thing that I'm doing. It's that things are not always obvious. You know, maybe it you're not going to get it unless moonlight is present or something. Maybe things don't seem to be as they appear. And uh, and just maintain that level of uncertainty uh, in everything you do with with a moonstone dragon because they are deliberately, you know, they're neutral, but they're they're deliberately difficult to figure out. And so that should be in anything exploration related um, uh, to and related to moonstone dragons. Yeah. Um, socially let's talk uh peps what do you got for a social encounter with these guys i mean i would i really like the dream aspect of them so i would definitely make it happen in your dreams um as a wormling they're probably still figuring that out yeah Yeah, so it would be very disjointed and weird yeah Yeah. unfiltered yes it would be just giving your party some weird little dreams that kind of are spazzy and all over the place and they have to like figure out that sort of puzzle of what what was that last night yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off of that uh peps and say i think the way i would do it um you know uh from wormling to to ancient i think i would start off with more kind of short-term stuff and as they get older they can think further out and be more strategic so um with like a wormling for example if i'm going to lean into to the dreams it might be to manipulate behavior within the party of what they want very short term like everybody wakes up like i just kept dreaming about this lake which is two miles away i feel like we should go and see this lake tomorrow or today because for whatever reason the moonstone dragon wants them there tomorrow as opposed to things influencing their dreams of things that they want to see them do over the course of their life for example um for um a social encounter with these guys i'm actually i'm looking at their speed one they move really quick for a cr2 creature Mm -hmm. um with a fly speed of 60 feet um and that level of whimsy and stuff to them really makes me think that these guys are going to be flying around harassing your party as you are going right and and just like being playful with them like popping up in a corner and being like hey i i like your armor yeah you yeah you got that like chrome armor i really like that and then disappearing and then popping up a little bit later uh and being like the wizard with the red robes yeah fuck that guy i don't like red red not my thing it's not uh, obviously green and silver that's my that's my palette of choice so how about you just go away and i'll talk to you paladin wearing silver uh full plate mail armor right like the level of just uh unfiltered uh i don't want to say prejudice but like opinionation with uh opinionating with these guys like uh i think would uh is what i would lean into with a social encounter and they will they're the most adhd dragon out there they'll just be like mid-conversation be like gotta go and then leave Mm -hmm. and then like a shot out of a cannon fly away and your party's just sitting there like what the fuck just happened yeah 
And then they'll come back and like, even if they were mid-sentence, they'll come back in a day and continue at that at, sentence. At that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's right? like everything's changed for you. You now like no hit points left, spells, spells lots of It's the worst time ever. Everybody's got exhaustion. Yeah. It's just not convenient anymore. Yeah. There is and one of the personality traits that you said ADHD, it says conversing with others is often difficult because I'm so easily distracted. Oh my goodness, is that circle made of silver? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. My favorite thing is it'll be like three o'clock in the morning as well. Everybody's trying to get their long rest and he'll just pop in and be like, so like I was saying, <laughs> we haven't seen yeah. you in four days. What the fuck? I remember reading that, like when I was doing my research, I read that one thing and I was like, I feel so attacked right now. <laughs> right. Okay, so now comes the time in every single episode where we break to what we like to call a commercial, um, but it's really just us pimping our own shit and it makes Dan very uncomfortable to have to eat shit like this uh, when we ask you guys to do stuff for us. But we love you and we love doing this podcast, but it is not freaking cheap. And I'm going to break the fourth wall and I'm going to pull it back and I'm going to say, guys, we could use the help. We are a struggling little podcast doing our own thing and it comes entirely out of uh, our pockets. And we got to buy books to review them and to have, be up to date on the regular stuff. We have to subscribe to D&D Beyond and of course there's the web hosting and, and paying Podbean and, and everything else. So we're asking, please, if you can find it in your hearts to kick a little bit in our direction. We are doing everything in our power to release as many different shows and episodes as we can. But it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of love, and a lot of money. And to be completely honest, we have the setup here that we've had for about a year and a half now. And and if we could all get better mics, that this would be, would be a better show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, scripts and jokes out the window, guys. This is a bit of a passion project. And we don't have a Kickstarter. We don't have a Patreon. We do have a donate button on the website. And we do have a store with, you know, we're selling a lot of stickers these days. Which we are. Is, yeah. Which is interesting. But they're only about 50 apiece. So it only goes so far. <laughs> and we only get a cut of that. So, As a balding man, buy more hats. <laughs> Anyways, please and thank you for whatever you can kick our way. If you don't, just know that your clicks and your listens feed our our love and our passion as well. So thank you for everything that you do, even just by showing up and listening. Uh, if you have any more that you can throw our way, we would be more than more than grateful. All right. So next is the uh, young dragon. Yeah, let's take a look at this young dragon. I'll point out what's changed from the Wormling. So the, the dragon in, uh, is now a large dragon, still typically neutral. Armor class has gone up to 18 now. So they are they are still very difficult to hit. I oh, think. Yeah. Um, hit mm -hmm. points are jacked right up. We're seeing an average of 144 now. The speeds have changed. Walking speed is now 40 feet. Flying speed is now 80 speed. 80 speed? 80. Flying speed is now 80 feet. They're doing 80 speed. They're going 80 <laughs> speed, <laughs> <laughs> Methamphetamines would work with these guys. <laughs> Already we're seeing really uh, really high stats. The charisma is right up to 19. The two following that are strength and intelligence. And then we see wisdom at 17. And then uh, dexterity is the lowest. It's 16. So still well above average. Mm -hmm. um, nothing has changed with like their, their saving throws and, and you know uh, what they have for like their perception, persuasion, and stealth. We see numbers start to increase. Uh, condition immunities is still only charmed. Blind sight now goes up to 30 feet. Dark vision to 120 feet. The passive perception is 16. 
languages by the book, it recommends adding in draconic and sylvan. I think that makes sense. Sorry, adding in common and sylvan in addition to draconic. Challenge rating is now eight. Uh, we have a multi-attack now, so we can add in two claw attacks after the bite attack, or in addition to the bite attack. The uh, the breath weapons have changed slightly. It is now a 90-foot cone with a DC 14 constitution save for the dream breath, uh, but you will still fall unconscious for still 10 minutes if you fail that. Moonlight breath is now a 60-foot line, still five feet wide. Each creature in that area now makes a DC 14 dexterity saving throw and will take 7d10 radiant damage on Oof. a failed save, right? Or half as much on a successful one. And we also now have spell casting. So the dragon casts one of the following spells requiring no material components and using charisma as the spell casting ability. The moonstone dragon, as a young dragon, has a spell save DC of 15. So one per day each of calm emotions and fairy fire. This is the new way of writing spells in D&D 5e in a monster stat block. Um, I get why we just got lists for the previous dragons because like for metallics and for chromatic dragons of if they're young, if they're, these are the spell selections they get because it was a glaring omission. Um, I like that it's in the stat block though. Yeah. And easy yeah. easy to go to it here. Um, that's everything. Let's do Let's do combat. Uh, inspiration for these guys. So first, let's roll dice and figure out some combat stuff. Nine. An 18. 12. What, what did you get, Terry? Nine. Nine. Okay. So, Dan. Yes, Dan. Um, what inspiration about combat encounters can you have? Um, I am one, I just want to make a quick note about these guys' stat lines. It's starting to bother me, and it will only get worse as they get uh, older and bigger in form. These stats, this, this 18, 16, 17, 18, 17, 19, um, Dungeons and Dragons 5e is a game based off bounded accuracy, which means stats kind of are all in the general, like it makes sense why things are the way they are. And ACs are going to be fairly standardized. Uh, monster stat blocks are just going to be highlights of different things. This breaks that. And this makes your Moonstone Dragon fucking amazing at everything. Right. And um, I have a bit of a problem because even normal dragons have one stat that is that is significantly lower than the others. These guys don't. Everything is just it's like I rolled these stats. These are these mm -hmm. are ridiculous. And it only gets worse as they get bigger, like ahead to the adults, like almost everything's in the 20s. Like, what the fuck? Um, but for a combat attack, again, you as a CR8 creature have blind sight to 30 feet, which means you're not getting snuck up upon by the rogue. They're not benefiting from their invisibility spell cast upon them. Um, you have a fly speed of 80 feet. So you can just kind of hover above and you're dropping this uh, uh, 7D10 as a CR8 creature um, with the occasional 3D10 plus four bite on top of it. These things do a shit ton of damage. We're starting to get into the realm where if you're fighting these things at their CR, it's it's a problem for you. Like these things are going to have an issue, especially if they cast fairy fire on you and get advantage. So um, yeah, there's 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 a lot that could go wrong with these guys in a, in a combat situation. Um, who was next? I think it was. I got I got nine. You got a nine? Yeah. So Pex. Yeah, I got like twelve. Um, with these guys, I mean, they are like combat with them would be 
not great. <laughs> like you don't want, you don't want to do it. Um, if your party does run in and starts attacking a moonstone dragon, you know, like your party does, yeah. <laughs> um, ill advised as it may be, I would see them like the moonstone dragons are going to give out a few rounds and sort of put them in their place. But I, I see them like then putting them to sleep and then having a conversation with them like look this is what you did wrong guys <laughs> <laughs> and here's how we will learn from this experience. yes <laughs> so i don't i wouldn't end it in death in either side of it i would toward like they'd get in some hits they wouldn't just take it but they would ultimately try and stop the combat and yeah and incapacitate them very yeah i think uh use the environment to your advantage if you're thinking tactically for this moonstone dragon because you don't need to directly hurt them you know if you can get them or if you can get them to a point where they're very high like through a tree canopy or something like that and you can get that dream breath on them then of course they have to fall if you can get them into water and then knock them unconscious fantastic then you can fly away and they'll just all drown because they're unconscious for 10 minutes uh, provided nothing bothers them and nothing will bother them um so i'm thinking tactically in the using the environment uh, as a dm if you can get them into a tight space sure uh, you can use that you know that dream breath and then like lay your multi-attack on them the moonlight breath would you know those line weapons are very powerful in very specific conditions uh but it's, it's challenging to corral players into those uh positions so i'm kind of still leaning on the dream breath and, and manipulating the environment to my advantage with that cool what about exploration encounters with these guys um for that level of whimsy that we saw with the wormling doesn't exist with these guys anymore in my mind they they are a little bit more focused a little bit more capable and although they have some childlike fancy to them they'll still have some whimsy it's not going to be the same and um for an exploration with these guys it's not going to be about solving the riddles or engaging like trying to find the moonstone uh sorry trying to get away from the moonstone dragon who's plaguing you um this one is more finding the moonstone dragon and a young dragon is starting to set up their lair and we've seen with their lair that there's there's some weird shit going on there with random creatures just asleep on the side of the path. For an exploration encounter with a Moonstone Dragon, I'm making them have this uh, calming effect on the party who are just getting frustrated as shit trying to get their way to the Moonstone Dragon who will then deem them for a social encounter at that point, right? Um, Peps, what do you got? Um, I would say like at young, they're probably starting to figure out their um, portal situation and like making mm, it to yeah. other planes and that. But then that um, brings in the one instance where it got there and it doesn't know how to get back, mm -hmm. you know? So it's figuring that out. Like, how did you get here? Where is this portal at? How do we make another one? Um, I sneezed and suddenly and it happened. Charmed. Yeah. What the shit? And and can you help me get back? Yeah. Derek? So I would go that route, yeah. I think that now that they've reached the age of young dragon, they are beginning to know what they want. They've experienced the world a little bit and they're beginning to know what they value and what they want. The problem is with fake creatures like this, 
it's very difficult for you as the player characters to figure out what they want when something is, you know, when the neutral creatures are so difficult, unless it's like neutral, like a zombie where it's like they don't really want anything. Um, but if it's the other way, it's very difficult to figure out what they want. And so those exploration encounters should be confusing. Like you, like Dan, you mentioned the people that are kind of asleep along the way. Um, you know, uh, people even when using like calm emotions as a spell, like it should not make sense why the people that you come across are strangely calm, even though clearly they've all just been burned or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. stuff like that to make it very difficult to figure out what the Moonstone Dragon wants. Especially this is particularly good, even though I, I hate it, but it is very tactical. If you can do, if you can get the the player characters in a situation where they have to be calm, like if you if you cast calm emotions on them, the characters are now calm, but the player is frustrated. Do that. Because that's <laughs> because that's fucking amazing. Yeah. So whatever you do, because because the player will become frustrated and the player will start to make mistakes, but they have to be loyal to the game and the rules of the game in that their character must be calm and whatever they we do. We play a very different tables, Terry. <laughs> the, Why? The 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 bridge between frustrated player and frustrated character is not as long at my table as it clearly is at yours. No. <laughs> Um, uh, let's talk social encounters. These guys, uh, I mean, a young moonstone dragon talking to your party is still going to be fixated on generating its layer, getting going. It's now got an idea of what, what it's got to do to succeed. So it is going to, uh, be far more receptive to, and willing to help your party. Should you want to bribe it with silver or some silvery thing? And it will just hand wave a calm emotions if the conversation is not going the way it wants to, right? And if it's really not going far, it will just put you all to sleep and fuck off. So, like, uh, there is a certain amount of uh, the young dragon. Your party has to try to keep its attention if you are doing a social encounter with it. So it, it's it's more the show them shiny things, keep them interested. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of. I, I think it's the Naked Gun movies. There's a scene where Leslie Nielsen is talking to a dock worker and it's all like, you know, hey, if you can give me this information, I got a fiver for you. And the dock worker goes, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, but then in the, in the thing, the dock worker asks a question and Leslie Nielsen goes, yeah, but you know, if there's 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 a fiver, like you got to pay me for that information. And they just kind of bribe each other. Yeah, I remember that. Um, it, this is an interaction with a moonstone, a young moonstone dragon, right? It just takes a right turn suddenly and your party's just left there going, uh, how about we give you more silver to stay on task? Yeah. Yeah. That's- um. Well, I know like in their older years, they sort of become like mediators and helping like solve problems because they are so neutral, especially mm-hmm. in the Fae world. So I had the idea, did you guys have conflict mediators in school? Was that like a thing there? We had this club where it was like American the school. most, the most like responsible kids were conflict mediators. And if other so kids had an issue, yeah. If other kids had like an issue or bullying or fighting, they would have a meeting with this group of peers. Cause this I mean, no one's going to, no one's going to listen to, you know, their teachers and shit. So it was a group of peers that were conflict mediators and they would come to a, a resolve of the issue. But what if you did that with these dragons and they set up like, <laughs> like a lemonade stand <laughs> conflict mediation. 
All right. So and I anybody in the Fae could bring them their issue and like give them a piece of silver and they would um, mediate this. It blows my mind how organized American schools are with these different groups, <laughs> extracurricular activities, parent groups and stuff. It was like fucking Jumanji in my school. It was <laughs> like you were counting down the minutes until you got out of there. You don't go back. Conflict mediators would be, yeah. they would be dead. They would be dead. They would yeah. be conflict mediation yeah. among students. Yeah, uh, Canadian. Okay, I, I'm now realizing all of us went to schools in different countries, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but like Canadian schools were, were, I mean, they were kind of a mix. There were conflict mediators, but I can't. Was there imagine- conflict in Canadian schools? You oh, guys are so oh, nice. It was just conflict. like, oh, sorry. We are so we are internationally nice, but the way we uh, endear ourselves to people is through violence and mockery. Like okay. that. That's there's a reason why hockey is the national sport. Yeah. Um, it's but uh, yeah, we are savage to each other. Here. We are very savage to each other. Anyways, the and this is why I think conflict mediators would not work out in a Canadian, <laughs> especially it because it's the responsible kids who are being mm-hmm. told to lead this thing. It's yeah. like let's get a group of nerds to stand against or to stand and mediate a conflict between a you know popular kid and another nerd, right? Yeah. And and then let's bring these hockey players in and tell them to sit down and listen to these people. Like good yeah. luck, man. That that good is luck. that is going to be a lot of you know yelling to give your horn a tug and fucking move on. Like it's not gonna go well for you. So uh no that would not have existed in my school. Like I was beat up in school because I was I was uh doing a lightsaber battle on film and like mm-hmm. choreographing it during uh lunch and uh interperiod breaks. I, I was beat up with my lightsaber that I built at school. Well, that's that's and, really on you there, Dan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's a certain yes. point, right? Where it it's is like part of the, the risk to reward ratio. <laughs> it is part of the growth of my personal character that this event <laughs> happened to me. But I can't imagine sitting down with the members of the football team afterwards and being like, guys, it really hurt my emotions when you hit me with my own lightsaber that I built in my backyard last weekend mm-hmm. and them having to take it seriously, it would not work. It's it's survival of the fittest. I, unfortunately, I did quite well in school with regards to like social camouflage and blending in, but uh, it was savage. And there was times when, you know, you witness these things happen and you're like, well, dude, you know, you can help yourself. You know, you're putting yourself in these situations. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to adult dragons now. Peps, what you got for us? Yes. Um, okay, so I did pick out one of the creature connections for the adult dragons, and I really love the idea of this one. An adult moonstone dragon attempts to help a beholder worried that its dreams will soon give birth to a rival beholder. And I love the idea of this thing having a therapist office and a beholder floating above a couch. Everything has suddenly changed <laughs> my frame of mind for a moonstone dragon. <laughs> Tell me about it's your brilliant. mother. It's brilliant, and I get doing like like hypnotherapy <laughs> to a beholder. And what is it that you know really is worrying you? Is it? <laughs> Tell me everything. Oh um, man! And how did that make you feel? Well, I mean, I'm a beholder, so probably not great, right? <laughs> I love it. I I want that to happen in a game. I, I okay. also like the fact like there's one here in the uh, connections. 
Members of a Night Hag Coven are determined to prevent an adult Moonstone dragon from contacting creatures in the dream realm. And the dragon has no idea why. Like, <laughs> I just love that there's these Coven of Night Hags going, stop it. Just and it's like, stop it. What did what? I do? What I didn't know them. <laughs> Make me. I love, I love Moonstone Dragon so much. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so as an adult, they are now a huge dragon. Uh, again, typically neutral. Their CR goes to 15. And they speak common, draconic, elvish, gnomish, and yeah, they do. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have an AC of 19 and an HP of 195 on average, which feels a little low to me when you go from the young that was 144 right. to then 190. Like, it didn't go up that much. Yeah. I mean, 200 hit points for a adult dragon is not low. Like it's, it's, that's yeah, it's not like terrible, but it's definitely from the dragons. I've researched for these definitely on the lower side. Well, I'm, I'm looking at like other of, adults of dragons things. right now mm-hmm. and like a crystal dragon adults, uh, adult crystal dragons hit points are 174. An yeah. adult deep dragon is 147. Like, oh, right, okay. that's still okay. that's still a sizable amount. See, I haven't researched those ones yet, Dan. I, I said the ones. That. I said the ones I've researched. <laughs> the real ones, Dan. I just, I just flipped to them. I'm sorry. We haven't gotten to that part of the book yet. <laughs> that's a deep dragon. I mean, I, conversely, like an Emerald Dragon's 207, and I just flipped okay. there. So, like, there they, go. it is, you're right. It, it's not a f- huge jump. It's not a one. huge jump. Yeah. Like, Especially, other ones I've looked at have almost doubled. So, this one yeah. is just a little bit. Well, the CR basically did double, and then they just yeah. got like 50 more hit points. So, yeah. Yeah. It just felt a little, I don't know, off to me, but yep. I don't, I don't study stat blocks that often. So, what do I know? Um, their speed remains at 40 walking and 80 flying. Uh, their lowest stat is Dex, but that still gets a plus four. And their highest is Charisma with a plus six, followed by Intelligence, which also gets a plus six. Uh, strength, Con, and Wisdom all have a plus five. They have, again, their saving throws are Intelligence and charisma with a plus 11 and wisdom with a plus 10 um i don't think anything other than the numbers changed there no and their skills are perception persuasion and stealth and still immune to being charmed uh their blind sight is 60 feet dark vision 120 feet and passive perception at 20 they have three legendary resistances per day to choose to succeed on a failed saving throw um, we get the multi-attack with one bite and two claws. So I'm assuming it's just really the damage and that that goes up. The the bite, they get a plus 10 to hit, a reach of 10 feet, and a 2d10 plus 5 piercing and 2d6 radiant damage on that. Their claws is a plus 10, a 5-foot reach, a 2d6 plus 5 slashing. And... Is it at this point they get the tail attack? They didn't have that, yeah. right? In they the do not have that, no. Okay, so they do have the addition of the tail attack now, which is a plus 10 to hit, a 15-foot reach, a 1d8 plus 5 bludgeoning, and the creature must make a DC 18 strength save or be knocked prone. Their breath weapons, again, recharge on a 5 or 6. Uh, the dream breath is a 90-foot cone. The DC is an 18, still 10 minutes um, effect. 
And the moon breath is a 90 foot line, 10 feet wide. And each creature must make a DC 18 dex or take 9d10 radiant damage or half on a save. For spell casting, they can cast one of the following with no component, no material component, and uses charisma with a DC of 19. At will, they can do fairy fire. And once a day each, they can do calm emotions of invisibility and revivify. Ooh. Um, they get legendary actions now. They get three legendary actions, only one at a time and at the end of another creature's turn. And they regain spent legendary actions at the start of its turn. Their actions are to make a tail attack, which is just one. Or they can use two of those actions and cast one of their spells. All right, guys, let's grab our dice. We've got some insights here. Let's roll initiative and talk about combat with these guys. I got a six. Five. Fourteen. All right, Peps. What's some combat inspiration with an adult inspiration? I like the idea, and it doesn't specify in here that you can, but of them doing combat in a dream and creating a nightmare. Yeah. I, I really like that sort of flavor. And I, it could even be if you wanted to not be too OP on it or, you know, it could be sort of a night terror situation where they're not getting all of the damage per se. But what do you you're in a dream and it's a wow. night terror and um, all of a sudden you're being attacked, but you're really asleep and trying to figure that out and disoriented. You could really dip into like night hag rules for that um, as the other like main dream opponent that your players Mm -hmm. will come across. Um, But yeah, you're, you're completely right. Uh, uh, Terry. Okay. I like particularly devious tactical stuff. We're doing combat encounters, right? Yes. 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 Dive into this. Yeah. Okay. So now we have a new spell, right? We have invisibility. I like devious things. I, uh, I invented what I coined as the black bomb, which is dropping darkness and then dropping fireball within that darkness. So there's disadvantage on the deck saves. Take that if you want. DMs, if you're controlling the Moonstone Dragon, do this. Try and find a way to split the party or separate them or put, put the, them in an, an environment where it would be very difficult, like in water or something like that. Do whatever you can to knock one of them unconscious and then turn that person invisible. See you later. Bye. Boom. I love that. Get them in some water, knock them unconscious, turn them invisible with this legendary action because you can use spell casting as a legendary action. So it's not even on your own turn. And now not only are they say, falling through the water or whatever, but the party cannot get to them. They do not know where they are. And if they want to use a spell such as heal, you must be able to see that creature for it to work. So somewhere close to them, their friend is dying and they do not know where they are. Who hurts you? This is how I <laughs> Holy fuck, Terry. This is how I operate. This is how I, you kill a PC. That's how you I, do that. I think it was Adam that hurt him when he killed his um, CrossFit wife. Oh, yeah. That if I remember correctly. Slowly in front of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that would be the perfect example where that happened to, well, where my character that died, there was none of the other players were in the room at the time, turn them invisible, walk away. Yeah. Um, for me, I've got a couple notes about combat with these guys. Um, and I'm going to be building on what you said earlier there, Peps, where there doesn't seem like a huge leap from a young to an adult Moonstone Dragon. Um, if you look at their attacks, you're doing 2d10 plus 2d6 for a bite, okay? For uh, which, which is big, 
yes, but it's not like notable. Their bonus damage is only goes from a plus four as a young to a plus five as a uh, adult. With a creature whose CR is nearly doubling, this is weird because the biggest change is that it goes from a D10 radiant to 2D6 radiant. Makes makes no sense. Um, their claw attacks are even worse because they're still 2D6. They only do one damage more with a plus five mm-hmm. instead of the plus four. Um, yeah, they get the tail attack, but they can't use it as part of a multi-attack, which the multi-attack was something the young dragon had as well. So... Um, and ultimately, the tail attack is 1d8 plus 5 damage for a CR15 creature. It's weak. It's super yeah. weak. You have to, have to, have to rely on the heavy moonlight breath, which is 9d10 now. That's not that's not insignificant. Um, you have to rely on that or and the spell casting of uh constant at will fairy fire in order to be do it, sorry, in order to do anything to these guys. The other note I found weird, and it, it took you going through the saves for me to really notice this. Wormlings, adults, and even ancient moonstone dragons all do not have a bonus to their constitution saves. Mm. Young moonstone dragons do. And they're the only ones that do. And it is a weird design choice that I'm like, what the sh- Why? Yeah. What about a young moonstone dragon is such a leap up and an adult yeah. Moonstone Dragon is not. Like, the CRs don't make sense. There's a lot of mechanical uh, inconsistencies between these guys. That's sort of, though, like, with the Wormling, they're at 39 hit points, and then they go over 100 more. Yeah. Getting to Young, and then 50 more. Yeah, and, <laughs> and only going up 6 CR, and then going from a CR 8 to a CR 15. You get less than half of that hit points, less than like you get one additional point damage. If you're a level 15, like a level 15 barbarian going up against this guy is looking at 300 hit points at this point going, oh yeah, I could hit it. And your dragon has less hit points than it. It's weird. Um, I, I, I've changed my opinion. I agree with you. It doesn't have enough hit points. Um, (laughs) It's AC of 19 is nothing to shake a stick at. Sure. But it's, it's stats do not go. So like I, I wouldn't use one of these in a combat situation. My inspiration yeah. is don't, don't, right? If you want to fight- like in the dream realm and it maybe yeah. when your characters drop to, when your players drop to zero hit points, instead of dying, they wake up. Yeah. The moonstone, the adult moonstone dragon will get stomped in a CR 15 encounter. Mm-hmm. It is, it does not pack the punch that needs to, to be a CR 15. Um, it does, however, get revivify which we will then talk about later. But first, let's talk about exploration encounters with these guys. I don't think a lot has changed for exploration with these guys, um, with an adult. Do you guys have any new insights? Now that they're legendary, they get their layer actions and layers. So exploration encounters, uh, what do you got? It's me first, right? Yeah. I think, you know, it's difficult now that we're kind of on the third age category to kind of keep coming up with new things. But what I will point out is at this point, even though they're fey, they are very certain on what they value. Okay, Mm. so now when you see, this sounds like it's going into combat, but it's not. When you see on all of these stats, we see that the Moonstone Dragon is very strong in all areas. And so it's hard to find a weakness. The weakness is what it cares about. 
And so you need to move away from the randomness that a wormling fey moonstone dragon might have. It's found itself now. It might be confusing whatever's going on, whatever type of environments you put the players into, uh, whatever kind of crazy skill challenges or something you do. It may still be confusing to them, but it needs to be going in a particular direction. It needs to be related to something that the moonstone dragon cares about because that is its weakness that is the offering that you're giving the players is hey i'm going to help you see where the weakness is and this is going to become clear uh based on how successfully you navigate these exploration challenges as you can start to learn more about the moonstone dragon's environment uh it, and what it cares about so that's what i would use the exploration encounters for cool Peps? yeah i would like you said it's, it's hard to keep coming up with just them aging and new things, but I would lean into exploring the dream realm because you have that, like, do you guys ever have the dreams that you can stop and think like, no, this isn't right and change it. Do you guys? Oh, very, very uh, lucid dreaming. No, I don't, yeah. I don't do a lot of that now. So like, and maybe not everybody in your party can do that. Maybe not the barbarian, you know, but there is probably at least one person in your party is a wizard or somebody who's very trained um that could stop that and actually realize they're in a dream at that moment and sort of explore the dream realm a little bit more or if you have a kalistar or something like that that um is more in the dream realm hmm. i would i would go with that sort of thing like that's a very unexplored part there, there is one of the items that you could roll with their art objects is a vast bookshelf full of dream journals written by creatures the dragon has befriended over the years. The dragon has each entry illustrated by a different celebrated artist, making the library one of the largest art collections in the world, right? Like mm -hmm. really focusing on the dreams with these guys works well. It mm -hmm. really does. Mm -hmm. Um when it comes to the exploration, I mean, uh, you have it now. Have a dance-off. You want to talk to me? You have to win a dance-off. And uh, now you are doing a absolute bullshit dancing thing um, in the middle of your, this is a CR 15, tier three campaign <laughs> session, and you're forcing your players to do a dance-off. Adam would hate it. I love every minute of it. Yeah uh so this is your bard's time <laughs> yeah right it's like everybody's slinging around like power word kills almost we're almost at that mm -hmm. level of things um your fighters walking to a fight and swinging that great axe around 17 times somehow right uh your your rogue is just invisible until things are dead and uh your bard finally has a chance to go, okay guys let me show you this one it's called the one two step right like I, I, I love everything about this and it brings, I'm a big proponent for you to have impactful drama in a campaign. There must be moments of comedy and uh, non-dramatic moments. Contrast. Uh, right? Contrast. Yeah. You need the contrast to intensify the stakes. Yeah. This is, okay. this is the kind of guy you would go with for that. So right. this is the moment in like every TV series where they have that one random ass musical episode. I got a feeling <laughs> it could be bunnies. But it also, exactly. Adam, what you're exactly. saying there, it gives you an opportunity to have fun by changing what the check might be in the, uh, in the sense of like, normally if a load of like poison darts were coming from different directions, it would be a deck save, right? Well, what about if they come in a particular rhythm 
or whatever. So the way you get around it is you must dance in a particular way to avoid it. Then then the, what would be a deck save now becomes like a performance check or something like mm-hmm. that. Is it Tombstone that has the no no it's uh, it's Back to the Future to the three where uh, da- Dance McFly dance and they're shooting the ground outside of the right. saloon. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. very hard not to bust out into Buffy musical songs now. Oh, it has <laughs> been a theme in my house this past week. It's killing me that it's come up. <laughs> I have it on my that soundtrack on my phone. I listen to it often. Yeah. Um, let's go with social encounters for these guys. I, I've lost count of who is where. So I think Terry, thank you yeah. for heading us off on this one. Social encounter with an adult Moonstone Dragon. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to kind of go back on the point that I just said a moment ago, which was where, you know, it things may still be confusing to the players at this point or what, you know, um, like what they're supposed to do might not always be obvious, but it must be, we're past this point of just randomness now, DMs. It must be for a reason. You have to help the players succeed. In in having a Moonstone Dragon just because they're fate, just be completely random and quirky all the time, but with no reasoning, with no actual direction of what they want, is the same as having a, a, an ancient red dragon that has a thousand hit points and you will never hit me. It's the same. You cannot beat them. There must be a reason for something it's a puzzle that the players must crack uh, and so that they can find success and you owe it to them for them to have a way that they can succeed even if it appears kind of random at first it's not it's it is all uh, aligned in, in a particular direction cool that's mm-hmm. um i would lean into the part of their lore where they send inspiration or quests or helpful hints to your party through dreams at this point um at the like they know what they want at this point they have that long haul sort of vision in their head and it's not as like quick and whimsy as when they were younger so they have a plan at this Mm. point so this is the point where they're like no you guys you're going on the wrong direction and and talking to them and giving them you know, a way to go, or even if it's just like a vision in their dream yeah. of not this way, that way, or giving the bard that song that yeah. if they, they yeah. it's stuck in their head and they're singing it along the path and it's giving them the hints and the party has to listen to it and be like, what are you singing? And it's really the hints that they need to get to where they need to go. Yeah. Um. For any sort of encounters with these guys that I, I like we've said a couple times, it's kind of hard when you do like the same monster and they're just getting older. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to come up with a lot of encounters. So look at their connections. Look at the um, stats in the front of the book that are giving you these uh, opportunities to see into the mind of a Moonstone Dragon. And one of the connections that really spoke out to me here from an adult, we've already talked about a couple of them, but... Um, there's one here that is in the midst of a werewolf invasion, someone suggests that a nearby adult moonstone dragon's horde could be a good source of silver. Um, I view this someone as being the moonstone dragon who has said, Hey guys, I got a lot of people dreaming about werewolves and how it is bad. There's probably a situation going. Can you send like, come by here. I'll give you some silver. We'll work out a deal and then go deal with the werewolf problem. Mm -hmm. Right. I currently have a member of my uh, Monday group that I run that has uh, become a were shark. Um, they have they have contracted lycanthropy. So yeah. um, 
that has a different spin on it. If you have someone in the party that has, like, if you just got through Curse of Strahd and one of your players is a werewolf. I was a were hedgehog in a game once. What the fuck are your campaigns? I'm sorry. A were, you, you were Sonic. No. Yeah, a Goliath were hedgehog. So really big. What does a were hedgehog? So you turn into a, a were hedgehog when the moon is full and then you run and you rampage and just eat grass. What happens there? <laughs> Well, she, she was, uh, what is it, a blood hunter? So she could, mm. that was one of her abilities was yeah. to be able to, to turn into a wear. Cool, yeah, Order of the Lycan. Yeah. She was my only um, character of all my characters to die so far. Oh, She's my only player death. But that was, I sacrificed her to save everybody else. As a wear hedgehog, that's how she died. Fantastic. Okay, so you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at r slash it's a mimic on reddit you can email us at info at it's a mimic.com and feel free to send in your mailbag questions there we appreciate positive reviews sharing on social media and word of mouth all right peps okay last one the big guys themselves let's talk about some ancient the big dragons. okay i also have a creature connection for these guys um an ancient moonstone dragon is summoned to mediate a centuries-old conflict between the fey courts cool really leaning into the fact that like moonstones can really be the therapist yeah for a lot of fey bullshit yeah at first they're very whimsy and causing problems but then they become like the therapist of all of the fey pretty much okay so at ancient they are now gargantuan dragons still typically neutral their cr goes to a 21 and they know all languages and have telepathy for 120 feet that's a leap holy shit okay mm-hmm. But I imagine if you spend so much time in other people's dreams, you're going to pick up their languages. Mm-hmm. Um, their AC is a 20 and their HP goes to 330. Their speed stays the same at 40 walking and 80 flying. Uh, Dex is still the lowest and didn't move, so still a plus four. Charisma is now a plus eight and everything else is a plus six except for intelligence, which interestingly went down two points and is now a plus five. That's so weird. Wait, what? Intelligence? They got less intelligence? It got less intelligence. They get less intelligence. Like, I imagine this is a mistake. You know, it's gotta be. Like, it's gotta be that those were supposed to be switched. But I do like this as like an RP hook that because they're getting so up there, in age they're ancient at this point they're forgetting things you know like they're that's a little senile just like yeah because it goes up two points it goes up two points every time it goes to 16 to 18 and then i think it's supposed to go to 20 and then go to 22 yeah it was like i definitely noticed that when i I was like wait a minute but again i'm pretty sure it's a mistake but i do think it could be a fun like little role play twist or personality trait on well, this got Alzheimer's or something. yeah yeah like they're they're you know they're are, we all diminish a little bit in intelligence as we get older and forget all the things <laughs> so it could work for you um their saving throws are intelligence plus 12 wisdom plus 13 and charisma plus 15. Uh, their skills are perception plus 13 persuasion plus 15 and stealth 
plus 11. Still uh, immune to the charmed condition. And they have true sight for 120 feet and passive perception is 23. Cool. They still get the um, three legendary resistances a day. I don't believe that changed at all. No. And they still get their multi-attack of one bite and two claw. The bite goes up to a plus 13 to hit. 2d10 plus 6 piercing plus a 2d10 radiant. And it's a 15 um, foot reach. Mm -hmm. The claw attack is a plus 13 to hit. A 10 foot reach and 2d6 plus 6 slashing. Their tail attack is now a plus 13 to hit. 20 foot reach. 1d8 plus 6 bludgeoning and the target has to make a dc 21 strength save or be knocked prone their breath weapon um, recharges on a 5 or 6 the dream breath is now a 90 foot cone but has this the save goes up to a dc 21 con um, and still the 10 minutes so not a lot has changed in the dream breath the whole time just really the the save Um, the moonlight breath is 120 foot line, 10 feet wide with a DC 21 deck save with 11 D10 radiant damage or half as much on a success. Their spell casting is one of the following with no material component uses a charisma of DC 23. Again, at will, they can do fairy fire and twice a day now they can do each calm emotions, dispel magic, invisibility, and revivify. Their legendary actions stay the same with three actions, one at a time, regains at the start of their next turn, uh, one tail attack, or using two actions to cast a spell. Cool. All right, guys, let's roll the dice and talk about combat with an ancient moonstone dragon. I got a six. Five. Nineteen. Peps. Yeah, the bigger they get, I like a 1d8 plus six bludgeoning for a tail attack. This is a CR21. Yeah, that's like nothing. (laughs) That's so... As they're younger, I wouldn't want to get in a fight with them, but I feel like as they get older, their hits are a lot less, but that could also lean into them not wanting to fight to the death. Yeah. I, uh, the more and more we're looking at these guys, the more and more they don't want to fight you. Yeah. It's not about like you fighting them. They don't like, they don't necessarily want to hurt you. And even in their ideas, they have the, like, you know, there's so much more you can do than combat and fighting um, honestly i'm looking at them and i'm going okay they get to roll with their bite and their claw attacks it's about the number of dice not necessarily the size of the dice mm-hmm. um and they can um they have a bonus to stealth or they can knock you unconscious with a breath attack or they could cast invisibility on themselves or cast fairy fire like there are so many different ways for them to grant themselves advantage mm-hmm. on the attack. I think they're really banking on the Moonstone getting that big crit off when it comes to to the death fight, right? Yeah. Um, and again, like that tail attack is a legendary action with a 1d8 plus six. Yeah, I would never use that in actual combat. That is exclusively a legendary action thing. Yeah. And you're not doing it for the damage. You're doing it to be able yeah. to knock someone prone so that you can attack them with advantage, right? Sure. Like it's, there's, there's so many things here that the Moonstone's leading you to attack with advantage. That's just all it, that that's its goal in combat is to do that. It also did not get any faster. It no. peaks at speed at, at, at a young um, dragon and then mm-hmm. never gets better. It's weird. Yeah. 
Yeah. Terry, you got any uh, combat things to speak into here? Yeah, here's how we're going to build uh, tension with an ancient moon dragon. I'm going to lean into the regional effects, okay? And I'm going to kind of create this situation of even if the moonstone dragon doesn't win in combat, you, the players, will still lose. Stick with me on this. Okay, so to create tension and create action in things, you need three things, right? A clock, crucible, contract. So the ticking clock is urgency. They must do this or the world will end. The crucible in this sense, the, you know, the multiple things that are going to affect a situation is going to be this idea of planar transition. So within six miles of the lair, uh, portals will open between the material plane, the Feywild and the border ethereal. And the, the, the contract, whatever they have that's making them do the thing, like, you know, I this promise means we have to go and act. Like, there's a reason the players are fighting this person. Um, is, is going to put them into a situation where they're going to lose in that I'm going to try and split the party between these planes in this big battle with this ancient moonstone dragon, have reasons why one must go through this portal, but one must go through the other portal, all based on whatever over the campaign you can mm -hmm. manipulate. And the reason being... If the dragon dies, any portals near the lair close immediately. <laughs> Kill me, I dare you. You are split between the planes. You still lose, even if the Moonstone Dragon doesn't win. So that's my that's my combat tactic for DMs. Cool. All right, let's talk about exploration tactics. Because I was going to use the portal for the exploration, but I think... Go for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, Peps, what do you got for an exploration encounter? I mean, yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the portals at this point, right? Like that's, that's the biggest exploration. They're just randomly popping up and either things are coming out of them or things are going in them that shouldn't, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe like another dragon's wormling fell through this portal and you gotta go find it because it shouldn't be there Yeah, <laughs> and causes all sorts of other problems over in that plane. So I think you could go just in a lot of different directions with those yeah. those portals for sure um to pull away from the portal idea for a sec uh again if you're stuck on what to do when it comes to an exploration or social encounter with these guys um because you don't want to do combat with them like not because they're gonna kick your ass but because they're kind of weak um look at the connections look at the personality traits there's one connection here that i think is really really good to pull on and that is the ancient moonstone dragon that is partnered with an andro sphinx to guard a precious treasure taking the place of the sphinx's slain gyna sphinx partner sphinxes are the masters of the exploration pillar as they are riddle uh, uh riddle uh masters so i would have um if you want to get anything from a moonstone sphinx or moonstone dragon, um, give it another creature that could uh, like be this vetting thing, right? Like something that owes a uh, debt to the moonstone dragon for some reason that then will gauge whether your party is worthy of a social encounter of this ancient dragon, right? Um, there always needs to be with any dragon you're dealing with stepping stones to get to a social encounter. It shouldn't just be walk in and talk to it with anything other than like a brass or a silver dragon. Um, so uh, I, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't rely on the dragon for that. I would rely on a connected creature or, or a um, series of tests that were put out for you by the Moonstone to talk both in the unconscious and the conscious minds. Terry? 
Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that. I think in the the series of tests, um, you know, players are very good at like getting their long rest and then essentially preparing their day for whatever challenge they know they're going to face. Um, to go back to the portals, in fact, even all the connecting creatures that like Dan mentioned is a good idea. Um, set up a number of tests before you get to the Moonstone Dragon where there will always be a situation that they are not prepared for. If you're preparing for a volcano, you are not prepared for a tundra, like whatever it may be. Those are just two examples, um, because the players need to feel tested in this as well. This is a, they, you know, they're 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 one of their final tests in their uh, kind of creativity and strategy. And for them to be truly tested, they they must be unprepared. So if you do it with a number of different exploration challenges, uh, you're going to find something that they're weaker in, and they will feel that tension, which ultimately means that they'll feel a better sense of reward afterwards. Yeah. There is one more thing. I just noticed this right now um, that they tell us about Moonstone Dragons that is literally nowhere else. Um, and is that and that is that the Moonstone Dragon eats and subsists off moonlight. A uh, one of the adventure hooks for them is a gluttonous moonstone dragon is consuming all the moonlight in a small forest, making the darkened path through the woods ideal for banditry. You want a good exploration encounter? There it is. Yeah. Um, where you are trying to get through this woods that just has bl- uh, spots of absolute blackness because the moonstone dragon is feasting. Right. Yeah. Let's go with social encounters. Uh, Peps, what do you got? Um, I would sort of go off of this creature um, connection that I said with the uh, fey court and the idea of these dragons being somewhat judges because they are so neutral and your party having to testify for one of the parties in this court. Oh, nice. I love that. Like, yeah. So it's them coming up with like, like somebody coming to them and I need you to testify on my behalf. And this is what happened. And them having to present this to this judge of a moonstone dragon and give their case. Cool. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even beat that. All I want to do is add to it. Like, I love it. I love the idea of the player characters each having their own role that they must play in this uh they're, they're they're called upon as witness as witnesses they're 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 challenged uh like cross-examined uh this is all this is just skill challenge after skill challenge right of whether or not uh and depending on how well they succeed in all of this is ultimately going to determine a lot for them at this point but uh yeah i just with my idea is to is to build on what peverina's idea was because i'm not going to come up with anything better i think that's great um a court case is something every D campaign has to have at least one of in its duration, um, no matter what the goal of the campaign is, um, a court case is always fun to do. Moonstone dragons bridge the gap between the fae and dragon kind themselves. Um, so when I see anything that kind of bridges to very disparate things like dragons and um, the fae together, there's a lot of fun kind of conversations you have, especially a battling of dichotomies within themselves. And I think Moonstone Dragons would be a victim to this where they are far more fey in the dream and far more dragon in the material plane or wherever they are, right? So mm-hmm. um, we've seen with uh, like metallic dragon, uh, great worms and great worms in general, we've seen the like this collecting of echoes of themselves in the multiverse and the moonstone dragon is very aware of the multiverse and i see the moonstone dragon 
having to be like, guys, back in this whole idea of the first world that was sundered, there is a there is shards of Sardior over here that we need to get a hold of because we could bring back the glory of the first world before it um before it had been sundered and been destroyed. And now you're now he is this beneficent patron of your characters who is getting you to collect the first world stuff. I realize it's more campaign idea than social encounter, but you're constantly having to go to this guy and he's talking to your entire party in dreams. And then you get to have mass dream uh, um, hallucinations almost where you could just fuck with the laws of physics in the campaign. And you could have a lot of fun with an ancient, even going into great worm moonstone dragon who is trying to get your party to reassemble the first world. And imagine how much Tiamat would hate that and how much Bahamut would hate that from their both different perspectives of control. So um, I really, really like it. Guys, do we have any further ideas on Moonstone Dragons? Um, are you going to put one in your campaign? I guess is the biggest question I have for you. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I'm going to jump to it uh, immediately, but I'm not against it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of fun, but it is, I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. I think you're shortchanging players if you just do weird for the sake of weird. Um, yeah. but you have to think intensely about it, um, especially if you're going to get to the point of using an ancient. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that wraps up this episode on Moonstone Dragons, but we're not even close to being done with dragons at all. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you would like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we are available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Speaking of never knowing what we're going to get, perhaps. Yes. My, okay, we don't have to roll initiative because this is a Dan-only question. Oh, okay. no! <laughs> Why? Dan? Terry just disconnected from the call. <laughs> What's your favorite part of Ohio or thing about Ohio? My favorite thing about Ohio? Uh, uh, The squirrels. (laughs) The squirrels. (laughs) Um, Okay. To be completely honest, I hate squirrels. They're one of my least favorite animals, but they're like the size of dogs in Ohio for some fucking reason. We do have fat squirrels. Yeah. They're gigantic. Okay. Do you, what color are your guys' squirrels? Brown, mostly. No, we have black squirrels as well. We got black squirrels as well. It's but like- very, where I'm at in Ohio, we only have, I don't know if they're considered brown or red, um, but even if you go 20 minutes south, then they get like black ones and stuff. But in mm. my specific area, there's only the one color of squirrels, which is I always found. Very, I didn't know my whole life that there were other colored squirrels. <laughs> For a while. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't but the squirrels, that's your favorite part, Dan. No, no, I like that. That that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, <laughs> I do have I do have actually two legitimate answers. One, okay. um, buckeyes, not the real thing, the candy are amazing. Absolutely. The, the real thing are poisonous, don't eat them. Um, the the and that's that's just a world tip. Just do not eat a 
Buckeye, unless it's made of chocolate mm-hmm. and peanut butter. Yeah. Um, the, the, the next thing that is authentically beautiful about um, Ohio, above and beyond a musician's dream of a city in Cleveland, is uh, the bluffs that you guys find out there pretty much everywhere they're there they have these like rocky cliff bluffs that just kind of cover the entire landscape of ohio and it mm-hmm. uh as someone who enjoys the outdoors that walking through the bluffs and and um these old caves that a lot of the um native cultures would use as even like chill boxes and um things is incredible and awe-inspiring and i love i love the state for that reason um but if i'm to be completely honest there is a reason why uh what seven out of ten of every astronaut who's ever been on the moon has been from ohio so there's something about that state that makes people want to get out off the planet um i i'm glad i don't live sorry (laughs) i'm glad i don't live there you've given so much shit to ohio over over the course of this what's your favorite thing about ohio you said squirrels and 70 percent of people want to leave the planet when they're there and i'm glad i don't live there i also said they'd make really good candy we do that is fair the candy is fantastic and the music is unparalleled i mean i mean other than a lot of places make good candy though so hey not uh, not like these the bluffs you talked about are non-existent in my part of Ohio. It is really? flat ass cornfields where I live. There's oh, none right. of that. Yeah, you're you're at a you're yeah yeah. Uh, I'm going to answer this question as well. I appreciate okay. how Ohio, it, in regards to the American states, is like the second drunkest person at the party. Like everyone's <laughs> so distracted with how fucked up Florida is. Nobody talks about Ohio. You slip through the net, but I see news things all the time about crazy stuff that happens in that state, but everyone's so distracted by Florida. It never comes up. Yeah. Like Florida and West Virginia kind of have a, a, a ironclad grasp of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just quietly crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all right. Yeah. I don't mind quietly crazy. I love, <laughs> I love the people of Ohio. Let's, let's say that the people in Ohio okay. are amazing. And um, I've never met a person from Ohio that I cannot have a conversation with. So you've met two people in Ohio, <laughs> your wife and myself, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went through a period where I was having bad luck with people from New Zealand. I met, <laughs> seriously, I met four people from New Zealand in a row. I didn't like any of them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, just didn't, we just didn't click. We just didn't get it. I'm sure people from New Zealand are great. And if you're listening, you're from New Zealand, you know, whatever. Have a good yeah, day. I, I, I guess Hopefully what I'm trying to say one is one of those four people. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, well, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say about Ohio is if you're from Ohio, move. Uh, so <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware. I live in one of the most expensive cities to live in North America. And every day I sit there and I'm like, why the fuck yeah. am I here? That's the worst thing about Vancouver. We can't move away because it's too cold everywhere else. So it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll just, uh, we'll just be first world rich here with our yeah, we'll, we'll, MacBooks we'll, and iPhones and we'll die. Starting. We're just going to suffer in poverty in a beautiful place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about a lot of dreams with the Moonstone Dragons got me wondering, do you guys have recurring dreams and what are they? Like, what's your most recurring dream? Should we roll? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause I have it. <laughs> I got a 16. 13. Seven. So perhaps. Okay. 
Um, mine is going back to high school and not knowing where I'm supposed to be, like not having my schedule. I graduated at semester. So my friends had a whole other half of the year than I did. And Mm. it's always that I'm already graduated, but I kind of got bored. So I went back (laughs) just to have something to do. And I don't know where I'm supposed to go. American school is so confusing. It's so weird. (laughs) What the fuck? Like you can just not go. Like yeah, I don't yeah. Like I just I just graduated a half a year early because I took two English classes instead of one. So what I got else credit. Is weird about American school is a very big deal when you leave. In the mm-hmm. UK, we're getting a bit more Americanized now, so it might be different. But in 2004, when I graduated, it was literally like the la- like when you leave a job. Today's my last day. They go, all right, then. And then the teacher's like, see you never. And then we literally never go back. That's just how it is. Like, it's just, Where there's just a bunch of pomp and circumstance about mm-hmm. uh, graduating here. Yeah. Yeah. The worst is when my children like graduate daycare and there was a big thing for them graduating <laughs> daycare. And I'm like... <laughs> They're 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 four going into kindergarten. Yeah. Everybody like they still don't even know how to read. What the fuck are we congratulating each other on? Dude, it's I like it though. I like the the celebrations that we have in North America and stuff. But honestly, man, you can graduate university. You'll be lucky if anybody shows up in the UK. They're like, well, I've got to go work. So <laughs> I just had to go back to my high school this week because my son had a tra- his very first track meet, That's and it was right. at my old high school. Oh, and so it real. was such a weird experience going to my old high school to watch my son run track. Yeah. It was weird. Um, but for the dream dreams. question, dreams. <laughs> would, the dream question. Yeah, I do have a reoccurring dream. I often have a dream where other people can do something and I can't make it work. Like everybody will start flying. They'll be like, isn't this great that we can all fly now? And I'll be like, how are you guys doing it? And I'm like hopping along. Like, like that's my reoccurring dream. Other people have an ability that, that I can't figure it out. So I have a recurring nightmare because I'm a mental case uh, that I've had for as long as I could remember at this point. Um, and it is me being stuck in a burning house trying to get out of it, which is horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. It got worse when I got married because then it was, and, and like the dream itself changed. It was the same thing every single time. But once I got married, I was then having to find my wife and then the two of us would leave. And then I had kids and now it's like me in my dreams playing triage or which child I want to save. And it is the most angry. <laughs> It is the most terrifying. And it's the same order every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, <laughs> Does it change up based on how mad you were for a kid yeah. each day? It's like, I don't have favorites. I do. We do. Any parents that says they don't have favorites is fucking lying to you. <laughs> clearly, at least Dream Dan has favorites. <laughs> it's interesting that all of our recurring dreams were about a situation that we couldn't control. It was yeah. essentially different variations of a struggling to control situation. I, I have a I have another question here uh, that isn't really related to Moonstone Dragons at all, but I'm going to ask <laughs> it anyways, going off on one again. because you mentioned something there, Terry, that uh, um, really, really inspired me. There are two ways to approach a goal. OK, a goal. are you guys uh, on the positive side, which if you look at that goal, you look at things that could happen from the completion of the goal. Right. So like if I do this, all of these other things will be possible for uh, for me. Or do you look at a goal and go? Here's what I have to do to make sure this goal doesn't fail. And then I get the goal because I have straight up been in uh, meetings with employers who say that I'm too negative because I am the latter of the two. I go, 
uh, what could go wrong? Let's remedy all that. And then the goal will be easier to attain. Whereas they were all, no, man, here's the vision of the goal and think of all the things that could come from the goal. And I'm like, "Eh, it doesn't work that way in my brain. Yeah, but that's two different things. That doesn't make sense. Like, it's like saying, uh, if I win a race, I might become world champion and that would be great. Okay, good. But I also have to identify the things that will prevent me from doing that along the way. That's just engineering principles. That's not, it's, it's not one or the other. You should have both. It doesn't make sense to, you will fail if you, if you go one or the other. And I have been yelled at for uh, presenting the latter. Oh, you should have asked them what they think the, what their reasoning is for doing their way. Yeah. And challenge The difference between the visionary mindset who just wants to keep on having new little goals and someone who is a very practical. Model. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I won't go too much longer on this. But if you've ever read a book called The Build Trap, that is the that's the where people focus on things and build features because they're nice to have, but they don't understand why a person would use that in the first place. That's bullshit. Yeah. Tell that person they're an idiot. Yeah, I think I just get the goal done. Like, I don't like I just give me this thing. I will do it. Like, I don't, it's not about the negative or the positive. I'm just getting it done. Yeah. Uh, even if it's playing four D&D games in a weekend yeah. for some crazy reason. I will just get it done. <laughs> <laughs> the last one uh, total runtime is like an hour and 49 minutes. For the- it was actually shorter than the chromatic ones. The chromatic ones. Yeah. We, we forever. We, <laughs> we sped if- that one up. <laughs> If this breaks an hour 20, I'll be surprised. It won't. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Thanks for listening. Bye.